has never ignored the vile poison of anti-Semitism or those who spread its venomous creed. With one voice, we must confront this hatred anywhere and everywhere it occurs. Just months ago, 11 Jewish Americans were viciously murdered in an anti-Semitic attack on the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. SWAT officer Timothy Mattson raced into the gunfire and was shot seven times chasing down the killer. And he was very successful. Timothy has just had his 12th surgery and he's going in for many more. But he made the trip to be here with us tonight. Officer Maxson, please. Thank you. We are forever grateful. Thank you very much. Tonight, we are also joined by Pittsburgh survivor, Judah Sabbath. He arrived at the synagogue as the massacre began. But not only did Judah narrowly escape death last fall, more than seven decades ago, he narrowly survived the Nazi concentration camps. Today is Judah's 81st birthday. <laughs> they wouldn't do that for me, Judah. <laughs> Judah says he can still remember the exact moment nearly 75 years ago after 10 months in a concentration camp when he and his family were put on a train and told they were going to another camp. Suddenly, the train screeched to a very strong halt. 
A soldier appeared. Judah's family braced for the absolute worst. Then his father cried out with joy, It's the Americans! It's the Americans! second Holocaust survivor who was here tonight, Joshua Kaufman, was a prisoner at Dachau. He remembers watching through a hole in the wall of a cattle car as American soldiers rolled in with tanks. To me, Joshua recalls, the American soldiers were proof that God exists and they came down from the sky. They came down from heaven. I began this evening by honoring three soldiers who fought on D-Day in the Second World War. One of them was Hermann Zeitschen. But there is more to Hermann's story. A year after he stormed the beaches of Normandy, Hermann was one of the American soldiers who helped liberate Dachau. was one of the Americans who helped rescue Joshua from that hell on earth. Almost 75 years later, Herman and Joshua are both together in the gallery tonight, seated side by side here in the home of American freedom. Herman and Joshua, your presence this evening is very much Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. When American soldiers set out beneath the dark skies over the English channel in the early hours of D-Day, 1944, they were 18 and 19, hurtling on fragile landing craft toward the most momentous battle in the history of war. They did not know if they would survive the hour they did not know that they would grow old, but they knew that America had to prevail. Their cause 
was this nation. Why did they do it? They did it for America. They did it for us. Everything that has come since over communism, our giant leaps of science and discovery, our unrivaled progress towards equality and justice. All of it is possible thanks to the blood and tears and courage and vision of the Americans who came before. Think of this capital. Think of this very chamber where lawmakers before you voted to end slavery, to build the railroads and the highways, and defeat fascism, to secure civil rights,
America's destiny. That one nation, under God, must be the hope and the promise and the light and the glory among all the nations of the world. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you very much. And welcome back from the break. What you just heard was an excerpt from this evening's State of the Union Address, given by POTUS 45. It began as he entered the chamber of the House of Representatives, at just five minutes after 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time began shaking hands and greeting people down the aisle. Although his tie was slightly askew to the left, no one seemed to notice and no one asked him to correct it. And all was fine, because really the focus of the evening was the speech. Everyone assembled into their seats, and, as is customary, he handed a copy of his speech to the Speaker of the House. The Speaker of the House was once again, and for the second time in history, a woman, Nancy Pelosi, Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi. And... Then he began his speech. Among some of the notable quotables, he did reach out in a bipartisan fashion with this quote, that he wasn't there to work in, as one party. He said specifically, not as two parties. Oh, I said that incorrectly. When I said that he wasn't there to work as one party. That's incorrect. Let me just give the quote and you'll know what I mean. Not as two parties, but as one nation. So I thought that was well written. Then he did introduce... Because of the 50th anniversary of our landing on the moon, astronaut Buzz Aldridge, PFC Riley, Officer Locker, and Sergeant Zajcek. And then... As the speech went on, there were interesting points that were made, and I'm sorry to say, I didn't make many notes, 
And among some of the perspectives, which were takeaways on my part, I would say it was important for me to point out that there were many components to this so too, which is the abbreviation for State of the Union, which misrepresented some facts. Rather than break those down for you, I won't give what I felt were the misrepresentations Rather, I'll skip to the portion where there were a couple of proposals made. And then a moment of glee within the chamber. One proposal was the Reciprocal Trade Act. Another proposal was something referred to as the Moonshot for a Cure for AIDS. Now, why did the moonshot, the cure for AIDS, stand out for me? I must note that in the Obama administration, there already was a call for a program called the moonshot. This wasn't specifically going to the moon. This was actually a search for the cure for cancer. And President Obama had delegated that responsibility to Vice President Biden. So if those funds were restricted funds for that particular purpose, it stands to reason it would be counterintuitive to use the same program for another purpose particularly since during the Clinton administration, there already had been a focus on research for the study for a cure for AIDS. And one would want to look into what the outcomes were of all that research and investment. Or as one would want to call it, return on investment. Now the moment of glee. The moment of glee came when there was an announcement made on advancements in the maximization of hiring women in the workforce. I would not have expected the chamber to break out in such excitement as it did. Certainly I would have expected applause. But there was um, beyond applause. And I understand exactly why. Many of the women were wearing white. And the reason was to support the suffragist movement, which 
because of the women who were part of the suffragist movement is how we ended up with the ability for women to vote. And we currently are in a very important anniversary of that particular right to vote. One would expect rights such as those not to go away, rather that we should be able to advance further rights and responsibilities such as advancing pay equity, although as in the rebuttal of Stacey Abrams, which was quite strong, As her rebuttal noted, violations of the Voting Rights Act are present and do occur. It truly does make one be reminded that such rights must not be taken for granted. So anniversaries such as a woman's right to vote are important to celebrate. So that moment of glee was great to celebrate, nonetheless. And at this moment, there are more women in the House of Representatives than there have ever been. So, again, another moment to celebrate. Take a moment. Carrillo here. And in this last segment, I'll briefly give you a couple of concepts which may be plausible solutions. We often talk about what doesn't work in a speech, but how often does one provide a couple of solutions which might be worth proposing? The first is
I would consider a peaceful and equitable solution to the humanitarian situation in Mexico for the country of Mexico to call an emergency meeting of the Organization of American States. Now, it would have to come from Mexico because truly, although POTUS 45 keeps saying it's an American emergency, I do not believe he is the most qualified to quantify that as an emergency. If indeed the numbers of individuals coming from Central America are in the country of Mexico and they are asking for refugee asylum and Mexico is saying they don't want them there, which according to the SOTU speech today that was said, and Mexico is wanting to move them out of their country as part of a policy with the new president of that country, then it should be a diplomatic move of Mexico to call a meeting of the Organization of American States, which is the OAS, which are the countries of North and South America, for them to meet, includes the United States, and the diplomats meet in accordance with the rules and guidance of the organization, discuss and come up with a formidable solution within the boundaries of international law they then can decide what the equitable solution is second the people seeking asylum refugee status in the country of Mexico because they had to arrive there first. These would be the individuals from the Central American countries have already been either accepted or denied in the country of Mexico, technically have the ability to seek asylum in their embassies. if they feel they are in danger. Thirdly, when POTUS 45 decided to remove some of the protections of people that have refugee status here in the United States, which includes just under 200,000 people who have refugee status, or excuse me, asylum status, 
he gave them a certain amount of time yet created changes without understanding the implications that would create as a domino effect. So while he speaks of Mexico, he doesn't <laughs> once mention Central America because the refugee status that he withdrew is actually from countries of Central America. And he keeps referencing a particular gang which is actually centralized in other parts of in other countries, not just in Mexico. So there is a danger in misinformation, especially when some families are specifically affected. This is why I mentioned that some people are not qualified to give particular messages, so it is unfortunate when they are given a platform. that is so broad, it can harm more than help. The true reflection of a leader is their ability to delegate to people who know how to accomplish based on a skill. Those are two of my thoughts regarding Surtu 2019. Now I'm not just commentating to comment. For me, Surtu is the Super Bowl of politics. Kind of like an election. It's an update. It's like an annual report, if you will. Like in finance. It's an annual report, an earnings report. Um, important because one needs to know what is going on. Uh, so when an announcement is made, such as the Reciprocal Trade Act, what does that mean? What are the details of it? Um, the announcement that the North Korean summit will be on the 27th and 28th was an important announcement because it's the second summit. The first summit was in Singapore. And the second summit 
will be in Vietnam. And so as the world starts to think of diplomacy and switches gears to think about the importance of peace in the world, what does that mean? for the United States and Asia and peace. Thus, those are really important conversations. If you do have any questions, feel free to leave me a voicemail on my voicemail here at Anchor. That's right, Anchor. A-N-C-H-O-R. Thank you for listening today.